thank you for joining us at the Better People Podcast. I'm Holly DePama, your host for today. And my guest is Jillian Bernstein. Jillian is the um, VP of HR at IQ Solutions in the um, DC metro area. Welcome, Jillian. Thanks so much, Holly. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for joining us. I'd um, like to start the show with you telling us a little bit about your background and um, and a little bit about sort of what makes you tick from an HR perspective. Sure. Um, well, I did not land in HR in the traditional sense. My background actually is very analytically focused. And for a number of years, I was working in economics consulting. Um, but what I found in the consulting field was that I loved connecting with people. I was the one who would always volunteer to take candidates out for an interview lunch or help out onboarding new hires. So when I did make the switch to HR, I leveraged the unique combination of analytics and also the interpersonal skill set um, to really transition to HR. And I haven't looked back. So um, with over 17 years in the HR field and prior experience in consulting, I learned that you really need to focus on the whole person. Um, and that's something I love about HR. Um, when a team member shows up to work, you need to remind um yourself as an HR professional, this is where they're spending a good chunk of their week. Um, and we really need to show care for the individual as a wife and a mom of two, um, a tween and a teen. I am constantly in the throes of juggling. So I constantly keep that in the back of my mind as I'm engaging the talent on our teams. And as you mentioned, um, currently the VP of HR at IQ Solutions, um, we're a public health communications firm that creates data-driven solutions to improve the quality of life of, um, of the greater audiences out there, especially those in vulnerable communities. So we try to do the same thing internally for our team members, walk that talk of how we're supporting various audiences with public health information. We're doing the same thing for our employees. So that's why I got into HR, and that's what kind of keeps me going today, is really being there to support well-being of employees at work. Um, that's that's great. And, you know, I, I will tell you right before the show, um, our producer, Ben Hoover, who is um, the man behind the curtain, mm -hmm. um, uh, made a comment about, you know, we've been we've been interviewing um, lots of different pro pro HR professionals um, and, um, Ben made a comment that, geez, you know, most of our guests are people who have non-traditional paths into HR. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I told him I would probably quote him. And I thought that was a great observation as he sits and listens to all these interviews and that, you know, that really is often the case, right? That you, are you go a different route with your career. Mm -hmm find out that sort of the people side of things is what is what gets you going right and i really love the connection of people and data because for how long have we you know been trying to help um the hr community be much more data driven mm -hmm. and in large part not only data driven but we've become much more technically focused so um, from that perspective, talk to me about how you leverage data and and in your HR experiences and use that mm -hmm. to help people. 
Sure. So I'm a little bit of a survey nerd. Um, so we do, we try not to send too many surveys because then you have survey fatigue, but I do do pulse checks with employees and utilize that type of data to drive the programming that we provide for engagement, um, whether it's wellness programming, something as simple as during the pandemic, we offered virtual wellness classes to our employees um, and finding out kind of what they want and using the data for that purpose, or whether it's broader initiatives like our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging initiative, where we really uh, want to get a temperature check on where employees are and their understanding of DEIB and how we can help um, not only support where different people are, but also bring people up who might not be as familiar um, with various elements of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we've done surveys on trainings and things like that that really have helped shape our professional development programs at IQ. Um, I've also used, you know, data related to benefits. So every aspect of of HR from benefits to training to performance and looking at, you know, how are we positioning various employees based on, uh, we do a lot of qualitative feedback and surveys, but kind of um, uh, in our performance reviews, but we definitely look at some of that in terms of how are we positioning employees from compensation and performance at the market level and analyzing compensation data to make sure that we're staying kind of competitive in our industry, in our market size. So I love kind of mining that data to, again, ensure that additional retention component, because I think there are so many things we know um, the number one reason well, sometimes after money, that people leave their um, their jobs is because they don't maybe connect with their manager. They're not, not loving the environment anymore. So I think just as important as compensation is getting pulse checks from your employees on all these other elements of HR. Um, and so it might not be the traditional number crunching sense like compensation data is, but those pulse check points are so super important too. So. You bring up a couple really interesting points. Um, first, I want to talk about the pulse checks and surveying. And do you find that there's any um, hesitancy with respect to response because of the um, concern of anonymity? Um I think I've been very fortunate. I've been at IQ for a little over six years now, and we have an, an employee population who likes to provide feedback. So um, so I, I don't feel like we have had as much hesitancy. We've actually gotten comparatively with data, like good survey responses. Um, and I just think HR professionals need to be mindful of the quantity of surveys that they're sending and the pace of which those surveys are sending. I think pulse checks are a lot better um, in terms of gleaning information from your team members as opposed to a long survey that might take even five to 10 minutes. People don't always have the time to click through all of the checkboxes. Um, the other thing I have started doing um, is, is really just offering when we when we send these surveys, um, you know, like only four options. So not that middle neutral option, because I really need to find out 
where employees' heads are on, on various topics. So sometimes I might just do, you know, strongly disagree, disagree, agree, strongly agree, and never have that middle neutral option because how else are we going to kind of form policies and shape kind of new programs or benefits if we if we don't really get where people's heads are on certain data points? Interesting. So tell me about the administration of this. Do you use what what platform do you use? Sure. So we've we've used SurveyMonkey in the past, but we recently, a couple of years ago, transitioned to Paylocity. And I, I do I'm not going to do a whole commercial for Paylocity here, but I do love the platform as a data nerd. I love their reporting software, and they have a really good survey module. Recently, we were doing a survey. A lot of the work we do is. Um, Based to support NIH, FDA, CDC, I'm sure all acronyms that um, your audience probably knows very well with all the regulations this these past few years. Um, but uh, we had to survey our, our employee base to find out a little bit more about their own backgrounds in the world of public health and, and areas, uh, health, different health disciplines they may have worked at prior to coming to our company. Well, using Paylocity survey platform, I was able to glean very quickly data um, related to a variety of different health um, disciplines and quickly report up to our chief operating officer, hey, Here's where we have all this experience. Now we can go after, you know, um, some different health communication contracts because we have these experts in these fields. So um, Paylocity has seen it super simple because it's so integrated and employees know it very well for their payroll, for their reviews, um, their benefits open enrollment, and now they do surveys through it. That's great. We are a partner. Part, uh, Paylossi is a, a partner of ours. So oh, we, that's um, awesome. Mm -hmm. we, uh, they'll love hearing this. <laughs> they will um, love this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I do lots of engagement surveys. I, as um, we spoke before we got um, started recording, um, you're a previous user of Predictive Index, and mm -hmm. I'm a Predictive Index consultant, and we have an engagement survey. It's not too long. Um, but I was thinking as you were talking about pulse checks, so here's where my train of thought went. And I, I apologize if this is going to go a little scattered. So this morning I read a post on LinkedIn about somebody who did a pulse check survey and her boss got really angry. Like, mm. don't do that. You know, what if we can't respond? We do an engagement survey, et cetera. I'll admittedly only skimmed. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that she was saying is how pulse checks are so much more powerful in really getting what your employees want when because the the notion was or the the gist of the post was, you know, engagement surveys are a little tired. And Listening to you talk about the power of pulse checks, where I started to go was engagement surveys give the business information they want. Pulse checks give you information that employees want. It maybe that's not some big revelation, but it seems like you know they 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 seem like they're the same kind of thing, but they're doing very very different things in the workplace. I agree. And I think it's a, a quick way to get um, some feedback 
in a very light lift for employees. Um, one thing, though, that I think HR professionals can do to take it to that next level, and this is something that we're working through now, is really looking at some of your more tenured employees and, and conducting what um, stay interviews, right? Mm-hmm. Like understand and and really getting the quality feedback and the that that detail and digging in on, you know, what are your thoughts around this? Or what are your thoughts around this policy? We're considering changing it to this. You know, what would make you leave? That's one of my big questions. So I can get a pulse as to like why people stay. Um, but what would make you leave? And so I think the stay interviews can really help bolster um, numbers that you might be getting. And and sometimes people put qualitative feedback in those open text boxes and surveys, but it's having that one-on-one and making sure your team does that outreach to what I view all of our team members as clients. All of the members at IQ, all 200 plus employees that we have, they're my clients. I'm not doing my job if I'm not connecting with them. And I can send surveys, people can respond, maybe they'll respond to the pulse checks more quickly. But um, if I'm not connecting with them and making an effort of outreach and talking with them and kind of getting it on the ground, um, then I don't feel like I'm doing my job, which is why I initially got into HR, which is connecting with people. Right. Um, interesting. Um, so another question around the the whole role of HR, right? Mm-hmm. So you you obviously are very passionate about people and getting um, getting the information and making sure that this is, you know, uh, a positive experience from both the business as well as the employee. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about enablement of managers and helping them in their role of leading and managing people and some of the work um, and how what you've done successfully there. Yeah. So I, one of my favorite trainings that we do is around coaching managers and really framing them as a coach, as opposed to just a delegator and, um, but more as like a coach and a mentor and thinking kind of that mindset shift as opposed to just kind of letting work flow down, down the pipe. Um, so I, I think for, for us, it's all about manager engagement. And what we've done um, is, and this really comes from the top of the organization, is ensuring that not only our executive leadership team meets on, um, we meet weekly, but uh, we have a senior management team, which is um, galvanizing all of our directors who have a much closer kind of connection with the team members on a day-to-day basis um, than all of the department heads. And that really ensuring that we're all meeting and that we're all on the same page and everybody understands the policies and engagements um, in various events, whether it's um, you know, showing up to a virtual paint night that we have, which we do a lot of those types of events here because we have a a fair number of folks across the U.S., Um, or whether it's leading one of these different initiatives we have at the company, each of our executives lead um, a variety of different initiatives, whether it's focused on innovation, people, um, diversity, equity, inclusion. And as I mentioned, we have executives leading six different work groups. And then in those work groups, we have managers who then um, can not only provide feedback that they're hearing from their teams, because we like the upward feedback, but also can take the information from 
very these various topical work groups and, and bring it down to their employees. So from an HR perspective, I am constantly connecting with those. I would say the our director tier, which is kind of that uh, next right step uh, below the VP tier that is really on the ground with our um, our team members day in and day out. And they're hearing a lot of feedback and I'm coaching them on everything from career paths to policy changes. Um, but it doesn't just stop with those conversations because we're connecting on at least a monthly basis and through these different work groups, there are so many different touch points to ensure the same message is getting out and that managers are getting coached on consistent messaging and communication to their teams. Great. Talk talk to me more about these work groups. What yeah, so so we have six of them here at IQ. Um, they're focused on, as I mentioned um, at the start, we're a public health communications firm. So we have uh, a communications and marketing strategy themed uh, two different work groups focused on corporate marketing and another focused on our growth as a company. Um, from an operational perspective, we have a work group that's focused on kind of modernizing our operations. So uh, as I mentioned, we're a little over 200 people. And um, I feel like that between two and 500, you're really finding that you can't kind of do the same processes when you are maybe 80 to 100 employees, but you're not yet over 500. So you have to start thinking innovatively about the uh, systems you're using and things like that. So we have a focused group on um, operations modernization, hence our um, transition to Paylocity a few years ago. Um, the people work group, which I am in, and we're focused a lot on um, work-life integration and policies and um, training for the organization. And then we have a, a, a stream of two work groups that are focused on more information technology. Um, so I think um, given the work that we do, we do a lot with AI and chatbots, different innovations for our clients. Um, and then we also have that work group on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and then from all these work groups, at least with diversity, equity, inclusion, um, we're starting right now to spin off some affinity groups. So what do you feel your pull is? Um, like what's what's exciting to you? Do you want to be helping with different innovation work? Do you want to help with different business development opportunities? Do you want to help um, come up with diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging activities and get involved in the company that way. So really this is a great way for us to outreach to our employees. And because sometimes people get so focused on the project that they're working on, this also allows them to have kind of more breath in terms of who they're interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, from an HR perspective, for me, it's all about people making those connections. I am a connector um, in, in one of the other surveys I've taken in addition to Predictive Index. Um, it comes out that I'm a connector. And I feel like that is so huge in terms of employee engagement and ensuring that that, you know, engagement isn't like just showing up every day. It's showing up and, and giving that discretionary effort. And I think that that's what we need to be fostering by producing other ways employees can, can feel like work is home for them. Um, that was that was great. That was really interesting. So those are so people have their jobs to do, but these work groups are more sort of um, internally focused mm -hmm. uh, opportunities to. Uh, lead the business. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Exactly. exactly. <clears throat> so you mentioned professional development um, previously. And again, when you're 
um, you know, above 500 employees usually have a training and development um, pro, uh, office and staff and, and, um, and this is that, you know, that, that size, what do you tell me what you do? How do you, yeah. what opportunities do you have for your employees? Sure. And how so, are you creative there? Yeah. So, um, so we have, uh, through Paylocity, we are using their learning management system. So we have access to what I would call kind of the basic stock trainings that you would want for your employees from an HR perspective. So everything from anti-harassment training to, you know, cybersecurity compliance, things like that. Um, but one thing we have found, and especially in our field, a lot of our employees, we have over 60 employees who have, um, master's degrees or or above. And so we are constantly encouraging um, you know, through our tuition reimbursement program, them being able to go back and, and you know, add additional letters to, uh, behind their name should they want. But additionally, we also encourage certifications and with certifications come training. So whether it's a project management professional or whether it's a scrum master or whether it's getting a particular training in a software, um, we are constantly encouraging employees um, through different websites that we can get these certifications. We're, we're paying for them to go get certified. And in so doing, they're taking a variety of their own professional development classes. Um, when we launch our performance reviews, and we have an annual performance review, and then we have two um, what I call check-ins. There are shorter performance reviews, but they have been, we're actually in the middle of one, our spring cycle right now. Um, we talk a lot about career development. And when employees set up their goals for the year, they are required to have one professional development goal. Uh, that goal could be to participate in a business development initiative, maybe working on a proposal for NIH or something like that. Or that goal could be presenting to the senior management team about a conference someone went to and having that exposure to just internally be able to, you know, present and maybe get over some nerves. So, as people kind of identify these goals and talk with managers, then we kind of come in from an HR perspective and a training and development perspective to help support them with maybe it's a technical class, maybe it is a more soft skill focused class, and um, or maybe it's an opportunity internally that will help them grow in their career. Uh, additionally, um, we have a consultant. Um, she used to work at IQ, um, but retired, but we still lean on her for some training um, and bringing training in-house. We do a lot of work um, advancing health equity and talking. And so she'll do a lot of trainings internally on topical focus areas for our team. And given many of our employees have masters in public health or PhDs in science fields, they, they want these internal trainings as well. So we lean on her as well. And then I'd also like to just point out, we during the pandemic, we did one of my favorite series of trainings and it's more of a soft skill training, but we called it building resilience. Mm -hmm. And this was um, a great way for employees to come together, to connect, to build community and talk about various topics and current events. I mean, there was everything from social justice issues that were happening to fear around the coronavirus. And it gave people a platform to talk and to talk about what was happening in the news. Additionally, it gave us a platform to educate on things like unconscious bias and other areas in the diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging sphere. So we are able to kind of leverage the 
um, connections um, to educate uh, around other really socially important topics that were happening and continue to happen in the world around us. Yeah, let's let's um, dive into this a little bit more. So tell me how I'm assuming that this was um, in a remote environment. And it was. Um, was it, was it, did you lead it? Was it, you know, tell me, tell me about the nuts and bolts of this program. Sure. So, um, so the, the former director of training who had retired, she kind of, during the pandemic, people weren't really going anywhere. Um, so she and I collaborated together on this building resilience series and, really thought a lot about what we thought employees might need from an emotional uh, support perspective and what they might want to be be talking about. And we really built the program around that. Uh, we kind of just had one Zoom, well, we use Microsoft Teams. So we had a Teams meeting and got some ideas of where people's heads were and what they wanted to talk about. And we ended up actually having a book club um, on um on a book around unconscious bias, which generated some great conversation. And then really the building resilience series just kind of snowballed from there. Um, we There would be various topics in the news um, and she and I would kind of create a little a light slide deck, um, but really just have conversation with the team and yeah. get, get thoughts where people's heads were. Because sometimes from an HR perspective, you just need to make sure you're giving people a forum to be able to talk and get things maybe off their chest. And that gets into the whole idea of like mental well-being at work too, right? Like you're seeing these news flashes come across every day. And we wanted people to have a safe forum to come together and, and be able to talk about things that were, were on their mind. Um, and by using that, we then also used it kind of like as an education launching pad. I send out um, an email every Monday morning called the Corporate Services Weekly Connection. And in that connection, uh, even if people couldn't attend, I would be able to link to the slides or whatever tidbits and articles that we were sharing and discussing um, at these sessions. So people could look at that at their own time, or maybe they were not too shy and didn't want to come to that meeting, but they want to look at it, you know, on a, at another time, that was an option too. Interesting. Yeah, it was, we definitely saw a blend of, we had to uh, really pay more attention to what people were feeling and the sort mm -hmm. of anxiety and situations that were um, blending work and life. Um, and so, which I'm going to roll into my next topic of discussion, which is sort of the work and life balance. And <clears throat> I'll never forget. And I'm not, this wasn't that long ago. It was actually 2009. And um, um, I took a new job and <clears throat> my boss um when we were having the negotiation, I said something around, um, you know, work-life balance and that I, I had, you know, a family and I, I, I don't even remember how I said it, but I, I, I did have very young children at the time and um, it's going to be a long story. Sorry. But so, so it, we had a union negotiation before I started and, and, and my boss who was the president made absolutely clear, like, totally understand of course you know 
pick up your kids, whatever, whatever he said. So they asked me to come in before I started. And I did. It was a big union discussion. Like we were, we had a, a union a contract negotiation. And um, in this room of executives, this is 2009. It's not 1990, right? Mm-hmm. In this room of executives, my president turned and looked at me and said, well, now that since you've accepted my offer, I can ask you, how old are your children? And um, I had my last child when I was 40. So he was not expecting the answer I gave him, which was that my youngest was one. <laughs> and his face dropped <laughs> bright red. And on my first day, his chief of staff said, I don't know any right way to say this to you, but I'm told that I have to remind you that it's work-life balance and work comes first. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine somebody saying no, that today? I probably, no, I cannot. And if I was in that moment, I probably would have burst into tears. I, <laughs> so. did. I, I did. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. is happening? Yeah, that I mean, that's wild. I do feel like we've had such a transformation. And I don't know if it's more Gen Xers kind of coming into the 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 ranks, but even even um my boss, who I reported to our chief financial officer, and he's he's a baby boomer. Um, but he has been ever since day one at, at IQ. I remember the first week I was there, my son had just started kindergarten and got sick in the classroom and it was I was so embarrassed because it was my first week. I was like, I am so sorry, but I need to go pick up my son. And he's like, go family, go, go, go. And I was like, (laughs) I I don't know that I could work anywhere else that doesn't have that. And I think if, if companies don't provide family first um, mindset, you know, that we really um, are doing our employees a disservice. And again, that goes back to uh, your employees will work really hard for you um, if if you show them the compassion and the care um, that they're people. And 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 I just I will never forget that. And it just it it made me feel like you know having just started the job, okay, I chose the right place. You know. Right. And right. that's wonderful. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't. <laughs> no, wait, look where you're landed now. It's amazing. Exactly. You know? exactly. And it also shows like, I mean, how many years were bet- between those two stories? I, I started at IQ in 2016. I mean, we have had to change a lot. And, 100%. and I think we've had to do that even more so with the pandemic. I think about, um, I mean, my daughter, she could, she can do our entire new hire orientation because she was sitting right next to me as I was orienting all of these new hires virtually. I mean, we, we have had to be flexible with employees so much. So we actually, we shrunk our footprint during the pandemic and all of our employees work remotely and except a small portion, we have a, a warehouse, um, as part of us shipping out some materials, but the majority of our employees work um, remotely and we all come together. We just came together this week, at least twice a year, if not quarterly. And it's a great way to stay connected virtually and also have that balance in um, your lives where you can go to a kid's softball or soccer game um, during the day and, and get back on. 
That being said, I think we have to be very careful as employers. And we recently implemented what, what I call the e-balance policy. It's in our handbook. And it really gets to the heart of, yes, we know everybody can be on email 24-7, but we keep our emails between 7 and 7. Um, there We have um, kind of a general, like, we hope that you can respond within 24 to 48 hours to any work emails but never when you're on vacation, never when you're on PTO, not when you're out sick, not on a weekend, not on a holiday. These are times that we want people spending with their kids. So during work hours, we know you're on, but we also understand their appointments. There are kids musical performances. I was at one yesterday. Like these are things we really need to be mindful of because I, I truly believe as an HR professional, again, if you're not coaching and you're not seeing the employee as a whole person, then we're not doing our jobs um, as an HR right. person in terms of how we're structuring policies. And I think you'll get more loyalty out of employees if you have the flexibility that if you have a one-year-old at home and the one-year-old isn't feeling good that day, you're going to need to stay home and that's okay. So yeah, you bring up a really interesting discussion which is as we as we flirt more or marry if you will the virtual environment you know my my office is right off of the family room so mm -hmm. it, when i hear the ding on my email mm -hmm. I, you know it's there's you know back in the day when we first started working from home like you probably you, I'm sure you're still in school but um <laughs> you know i was like this is a crock like you can work all the time mm -hmm. and you can work all the time mm -hmm. um and i i love the idea of 7 to 7 like and it's and it's you know our policies are our policies but our culture is how we act and when you make sure that um you know, your executive team to begin with is not sending messages at four in the morning or, um, you know, it has to be, we, we've all learned how to use that timer, right? I, our, yes. Yes. The delayed delivery. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I, I haven't because I called it a timer. I, I did. <laughs> it's all good. You know, I think that's a really good point, Holly. You have to be intentional about it. And that's why um, we saw it getting like really carried away and we, we needed to kind of make sure that people rolled back. And, you know, our typical workday is 8.30 to 5.30, assuming an hour, people take an hour for lunch. But we have early birds. We have night owls. And and that's OK. We want people to work when they're able to work and, and juggle family priorities, too. So the the thought really is like just get the email ready, send it during that window though. And right. that way you can kind of feel like you did what you need to do. And then in the morning, before you run off to take your kids to school, send all those emails that you worked on last night at 10 o'clock if you want, but don't right. do it then. Right. That's great. So Jillian, your wellness programs, I would love to hear a little bit about what you have created and the results and talk to me about that. Yeah. So um, one thing I love about IQ um, is that, as I mentioned earlier, we walk our talk of public health internally at the company. Um, and one thing we have formulated is called Wellness for Life. It's a program that really focuses on employees' well-being and their health, putting that 
health mindset of whole person well-being um, at the forefront. So we not we not only have the traditional benefits, medical, dental, vision, dis- disability, et cetera, um, but we and we reimburse employees for gym memberships and all that stuff, but we also have really built community through various um wellness engagement activities. And I, I mentioned earlier we do virtual wellness classes like yoga and you know, for Pilates and strength training, which is great. Um, but we also have these wellness challenges on a quarterly basis. We pick an area of focus and it is so incredible to see all the employees come together to motivate each other. And we really kicked it into high gear a few years ago. And it just really exponentially, uh, we saw a tremendous increase um, in involvement, especially during the pandemic. So let me give you an example, Holly, of one of the challenges. So um, right now, we're actually doing um, 60 miles for St. Jude. So our corporate philanthropy is St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And the goal is over six weeks, because it takes at least three weeks to build the habit. Um, but over six weeks, um, you're incorporating different activity into your daily life, either movement or if um, and you need an accommodation for movement, maybe some mindfulness or deep breathing, things like that. Um, And we are going to, as a team, um, we will get to 60 miles over the six weeks. And each activity can either be mileage based on jogging, running, swimming, or maybe doing some mindfulness for 15 minutes, which would count as a mile. And what has happened is we each have our own little tracker, but we've built community through um, constant motivation emails, um, calls, we'll do like coffee connects, things like that throughout these challenges. And it's been incredible to learn about um, different passions employees have, learn about different podcasts people listen to on their walks or their runs. Um, So things like that have really um, been able, it's been able to not only make people feel better about themselves, but then also really bridge community within the organization. We in Q1 just wrapped up our hydration challenge, where you you made a goal by the end of the six weeks to be drinking 64 or 72 ounces of water a day. And I know your listeners can't hear or can't see this, but um, uh, we sent everybody a water bottle with tracking numbers on it. Oh, cool. Um, just as, again, a lift to uh, connect, build community, and ensure that we're infusing some health um, into that. So That is fantastic. I love the, um, the, the, I, you know, so <laughs> I'm giggling because we, we are a very competitive environment in my workplace. So we're always, you know, competing. Hey, <laughs> a community goal might be good for us. Uh, I might take that away as something we could all really help each other with rather than, you know, trying to destroy each other's, you know, cornhole game or something. But, <laughs> I will. So. I mean, it's been, it's been so great. In fact, just to, like, we have increased our participation like over the year because we've been doing this by 36%. And that's, so that's cool. been so awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, a client of mine, and I always bring this up as far as, you know, the, as far as I'm concerned, this would be like the a most amazing wellness program. Like, I, I was like, Do, are you hiring? When mm-hmm. she told me about this. So it was a, we were doing some work together and I was trying to 
schedule a meeting. And she said, um, oh, I'm, I'm off um, next Thursday and Friday. And she said, and I won't have my phone or my computer with me. And I was like, oh, that's wonderful. I, you know, and she said, it's actually, um, I completed my corporate, our, our wellness program, which was something like doing it. I don't remember what it was. It was, mm-hmm. you know, a corporate wellness program. And what she got was two days paid off and they sent her to a spa. Like they paid it. for everything for her. I love it. Yes. It's like, and, can I work for you? Yes. And, and I, and that, that is like, it is about, I mean, we do it. We haven't sent people to a spa, but we have done spa yeah. gift cards. Um, and, but we do motivate um, with different prizes too. So whether it's a Vitamix at the end of the nutrition challenge or, yep. or I, I might work in that Bad day PTO. I kind of like that idea. Isn't that great? I think it's fantastic because not only are you doing something good for yourself, your body, your mind, but you're getting that true disconnect from work and the past, like, hey, you have PTO to do this. And I think that that in and of itself, kind of getting back to all that balance we were talking about, um, really it, it lifts that off someone's shoulders to have to feel like they have to be on their email or, you know, readily. Exactly. Email. Exactly. I love so, it. Awesome. So um, last question, most of our audience are um, uh, young-ish in their career or newish in their career, HR folks. You know, what advice do you have? What would you, especially as somebody who was a, you know, an economics major in in college and, you know, I have a daughter going to school. Here I go digressing again, but headed off to college and, and, you know, I've been hiring people for I don't know, 27 years. And I just want to say, like, <laughs> you know, it, be, a, be a thinker, be creative, be, be curious. Um, and obviously there's not a lot of context to those things, but what is your, um, what's your guidance or your thoughts to somebody new in their career, somebody who wants a career in HR, something like that? So I got some really good advice early on. Um, I My first job was in a more male-dominated industry. And um, so you had to kind of be tough. And and my manager at the time said, just kill everyone with kindness. And I think that there's so much in this world right now that can be, um, you know, causing people kind of to be agitated at various points and even in the workplace, sometimes causing people to be on polar opposite ends of things. I I would say just bring kindness to work with you every day and in your interviews um, and in your career. You just want to be gracious and kind. And I think that honestly will take you so far. Um, And I think the, the other aspect of kindness is showing a kind of not overly eager because that could be off-putting for some people but like a tempered solid eagerness to learn and to also be um a little bit humble if you ever make a mistake and be like I want to learn how to do that and and do that better um and I think that that goes a long way too um and I and not just in HR but in any career uh I think that the softer skills will take people very very far Yes. Kind, mm-hmm. eager, and humble. Mm-hmm. I love it. 
That's great. Um, I thank you so much for your time, Jillian. I really enjoyed the conversation. Your, um, uh, your, your very thoughtfulness approach, uh, how you lead the HR function at your organization came through loud and clear. <laughs> and um, appreciate your time and just really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Holly. I appreciate the opportunity to connect on your podcast. And um, I hope that you have a great afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.